I'm sorry for being a dick to you. Maybe we try to find a shift between ours where we can try to be civil. Maybe. If we survive this stupid old age cave. Ah! My hand! <coughs> oh, we need someone younger than us to take a crack at this. Wait, that's it? Asif's like a child prodigy. He's young as hell. Really? Asif! Get your ass over here! Hello, my leg is broken. It'll heal with a time dilation, right? Yeah, I don't know. Ow! Oh my god, my leg! Transfer complete. Hello, and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and joining me in the cave. This is Tyler Orton, having a cave baby. And we're here this week to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks, episode eight of season four, Caves. <laughs> there you go. Uh, very on the nose with regards to the title. But there, I, I kind of like the idea. Um, it was kind of what I hoped for with Lower Decks in that in, instead of making like these like really obscure references to, you know, things like uh, Trip Tucker Sprinkles or what have you. <laughs> you go back to that one, huh? That is like the one for you to keep kicking. <laughs> Because it's so, like, it means absolutely nothing to 90% yeah. of the people watching. Yeah, but... Does it even mean anything to you? Well, yeah, it, it yeah, it, it, it's a dumb joke, and not even a funny dumb joke. It's just like, yeah. like, what is a Trip Tucker Sprinkles? It, it, it's like, it, it means, like, like um, Boimler finds, like, uh, Trip Tucker, th this historical figure, to be a cutie. That, that's how I kind of interpreted it. Is that accurate? I yeah, I I guess so. It's this kind of thing where you say trip tuckle uh trip tucker sprinkles and I'm just like <laughs> um Boimler's delivery was better than mine. Uh but it's like <laughs> I just kind of like have a blank moment cuz I'm like okay, well I know the name of the character, but I don't I don't really understand the joke that well. But I, I yeah. think your interpretation is the best possible one because it actually has meaning <laughs> versus to me it was like almost nonsensical. Cam, I just want you to repeat that sentence at the end of every episode of Subspace from uh, here on out. But, um, no promises. Yeah, but you, look, I, I think what Lower Decks has delivered more often is just kind of like um, to like really, really like a, a please like Star Trek fans, uh, at least the the real nutty and obsessive kinds, which, you know, there are a few, is these very obscure references. Or, you know, even we got that shot, I think it was last week, um, that uh, one second shot of uh, Deep Space Nine. Mm. That makes us go like, oh man, that's really awesome to see, you know? Um, we, you know, we're getting appearances by, you know, legacy characters, you know? Like, like that's what it's kind of been doing. Whereas, like, I going into Lower Decks, you know, all those years ago, I, I kind of had hopes that um, it'd be tackling more of the tropes or, or commenting more on those typical Star Trek tropes, like the fact that all the caves look alike, or, you know, what does a transporter chief really do all day long, you know, mm. when he's not transporting somebody down to a planet? And it's never quite delivered on that, but those are just my own personal expectations, you know? So I, I do like the um, idea of this, you know, in which you just have characters uh, reminiscing about their own uh, cave missions, and, and all those caves looked uh, quite similar. Um, in terms of laughs from this one, didn't really 
I didn't really get any, uh, personally. Um, yeah. And I thought I, that was odd. Yeah. I'll say this, though. We're far enough into the season that um, Tuvix, the uh, season premiere, remains the high point for me. Um, mm-hmm. I liked last week, you know, with uh, the return of uh, the AI nemeses, you know. But I, I, I don't know if there's, like, th- this season overall is kind of falling a little bit more flat. I'm not saying I haven't been enjoying it. I just haven't been um, blown away by a lot of these adventures the way I was, you know, in some of the previous seasons that we got here. It feels much more of like a middle-of-the-road collection of episodes where there is nothing here that is like, you know, shades of gray or, (laughs) uh, you know, fill in your least favorite Star Trek episode, Man of the People. There's nothing like that happening on Lower Decks. It just doesn't feel like they are particularly inspired this season and i it is kind of odd that like tuvix uh, it's kind of um reminding me a little bit of last season that one you had the ds9 one a little bit later in the season which was great but the first episode the zephram cochran one was like kind of the standout episode for a quite a stretch yeah. we were sitting there for quite a period going like well uh nothing yet has matched that premiere and you know, the DS9 one finally did it. But this season, I mean, we're on episode eight. We have two left. Apparently, Mike McMahon has said that um, they didn't give critics the last two because they are ultimate Star Trek and real swings. I don't know what that means, but I guess we'll find out in the next two weeks. Uh, no. <laughs> they, they, they hired the writer behind very short treks to do a two-part finale cam. That's what it is. <laughs> or they uh, hired him to do an Elysian Kingdom crossover. They <laughs> oh, <laughs> tribute to wonderful. the uh, to the great swing in Star Trek, but yeah, from Strange New Worlds. It seems like Mike McMahon feels they have two very kind of outstanding episodes at the end of the season. So I'm excited to see what they deliver there. But it is they odd always that... have two outstanding episodes at the at the end of the season. So that that's not really <laughs> going to surprise me. You know, like I, yeah. I expect it at this point. I've just kind of been disappointed by. You know, I, I, I don't think it's fair to use the word disappointed, but just uh, not exactly like blown away by what's led up uh, to this point ever since the the uh, premiere. But I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you there. No, it's been like a whelming season. Yeah, a whelming season. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm seeing my friends again. Uh, they're still cutting it up, and uh, well, okay, on to the next episode. Uh, and like this one, I I did enjoy the whole idea of going to the cave trope because. Star Trek is littered with these episodes, but it doesn't feel like the kind of thing the show is typically very self-aware of, like, how often they're doing cave stories. And, you know, when I had the setup here with the moss, I'm, like, thinking of even, like, Heart of Stone, that DS9 episode with the rock on um, Kira's leg, things like that. I'm like, oh, you know, this is a fun thing to comment on. And the fact you could have Mariner saying, oh, you know, we've been in caves a hundred times, and Boimler saying, oh, they all look the same. That's the kind of joke that, like, it, it works because it's, I think, specific to what the characters are experiencing in that moment. But, like, people who are big Star Trek fans can kind of, you know, chuckle knowingly from the reference. It doesn't feel like a Trip Tucker Sprinkles kind of joke. Um, but I did think it was so strange, like, in this episode that typically I'll write down, uh, you know, a line or, like, a visual gag that I thought was really funny. And with this one, I, I don't know that I have anything. Um, I, I have nothing, Cam. <laughs> I literally have nothing, and I, I am in the same boat as you. Like I, I take notes on the things that made me laugh. 
Um, <laughs> I, like, there's things that made me smile. You know, like, oh, isn't it sweet that the uh, Bendorians uh, were just kind of doing like th- this bigger test by the end and let them uh, hang out and laugh together. Like that, that was that was a nice moment. You know. I mean, the idea of this species, the Vendorians doing these morality gambits that are, like, very convoluted is, like, a kind of a funny concept. It is a little similar um, to the episode, I think it was Veritas from season one, where you had them, like, having to give these testimonials and be judged, and then it turned into this long convoluted... I don't even remember what the solution was. Wasn't it, like, um, an alien welcoming thing or something, or honorary thing? I... I just remember they were all telling their version of the same story from different perspectives, and we were only getting a little bit, uh, like bits and pieces of the story, because the other characters were unaware of what was going on in these other little adventures. And how it resolved, I don't quite remember. But I do remember that being like a a highlight from season two, I think, or was it season one? I think it was season one. And yeah, like it turned into something that they viewed as a very threatening situation that then turned into like an honorary, like welcoming kind of uh, situation. And that was kind of the joke. And I thought that episode had a lot of fun with the different perspectives. You got the great Gorn wedding moment from Rutherford. The fact they were kind of doing a similar setup here where you had this alien species doing a convoluted kind of morality test for each of the characters to tell their cave stories... I felt like each of these stories should have had like a specific moment or something that really grabbed you the way the Gorn wedding bit did and like the Rutherford blacking out and waking up in weird situations like that was genius in Veritas. And like when I go through the stories here, I mean, you have the conspiracy uh, nut that um, Boimler is dealing with. I, I didn't really find that that really generated great comedy. There was kind of the fun little line about, you know, subspace forums that the guy's been hanging out on. But it, it never that, felt that, that's like... That's where... Those are the listeners that we attract. Uh, right, <laughs> right-wing right nut jobs. <laughs> um, although they did have that reference to that really terrible episode of The Next Generation where the scientists said that uh, warp is destroying subspace and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you have to go at like warps warp five from here on out and uh warf just had that funny line where he's like the klingon empire will obey this but what about the romulans and i remember for like two subsequent episodes they made reference to like this new warp five speed limit and then the entire franchise completely forgot about the uh, the warp five <laughs> speed limits maybe they they found a solution to this problem we just never heard about it was that a season seven episode it was yeah yeah, that speaks for itself. <laughs> it's going to bug me. You you continue on. I need to look up the name of the episode because it's going to like haunt me if I... Yeah, I was I was trying to remember it myself. But yeah, like the, the Rutherford Tana one I thought was actually like in concept something I thought that could be really good because these are not two characters you ever see paired up. And I, I don't know that I had that much of a takeaway from it. It just didn't feel like any of these kind of individual stories contributed something that was either A like comedically really sharp and funny and memorable or B in terms of like their individual characters, something that you were like, Oh, I'm so glad I kind of had that information. Well, Cam, I was asking myself by the end of it because it was just such a a kind of fragmented stories, which I I, I'm not against, but I kept Mm -hmm. asking myself like, what is the through line here? What, like, what is this episode about? I don't mean what, what is the plot? I mean, what, what is the story about? What is the show trying to tell us? And we literally had Tendi say at the very end, we'll always be friends, no matter cave babies or Delta ship. And I'm like, oh my God, really? Like, you just have to like, <laughs> thanks, Discovery, you know, or like, Tether, 
communication. <laughs> it's like, or connection, I should say. I'm just like, okay, whatever. But how is that really tying together these uh, disparate little stories? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like the... It's them with other people. <laughs> I know. It's like this is why this episode. It kind of like as you say. I felt very whelmed by it. It was just like there's. It was perfectly fine. You know, it made me think of Cam. You know that there's that uh, uh, that fresh slice pizza chain uh, all over Vancouver, and uh, yeah, you know if uh, you know there, there's that one on the corner of uh, Broadway and Main Street, and uh, yeah, you can go get a slice of fresh slice pizza right at Broadway Main, but if you go and walk one block up. On Main Street, you've got Ignite Pizza, where it is oven baked. You go two blocks up on Main Street, you've got Garden Pizza, also oven baked. It you pay seventy five cents more for a slice, and it's just kind of like you agree with me. Fresh slice is perfectly fine; it'll do in a pinch. But like, why not just make that extra effort, put in an extra seventy five cents, and get like the the like uh, high quality, like real good pizza by the slice? This is kind of what this episode made me think of: fresh slice pizza. <laughs> I want my free coupons now. And people, uh, I, I do not recommend Fresh Slice at all. And <laughs> I think Tyler's saying, aim better. I agree 100%. Aim better than Fresh Slice Pizza, for sure. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know that this one actually adds up to what they're saying the story's about. It felt almost like, uh, it was, I guess, a s- superior to the episode where they land on the gambling planet, the Royale, in uh, TNG, where you go through that whole convoluted nonsense, and then it ends with uh, Riker saying to Picard, like, what do you think that was all about? I don't know, number one. We may never know. Um, This is superior to that, but it felt like a button that uh, you mentioned Discovery. It's kind of like that, with the Discovery at the end of a season being like, it was all about communication. It's like, gee, thanks, Mom. You know, it's like, (laughs) do they get the, like writers from full house like out of the grave and like just have like it feels as if you know the, again we literally had the music swell and all the characters are laughing at the end as they're spending like quality time with each other folks we get it these are four really good friends you know um i just like i don't know what this episode told me about these characters that we did not know before you know whereas we've gotten other episodes so far this season where they are kind of digging into like uh what Mar- makes mariner tick mm. uh we're digging into say uh tendy's backstory you know like i like those are the things that i i enjoy more even if those episodes didn't exactly blow me away but i mean again this episode um it's a it's a slice of fresh slice you know and which is fine <laughs> uh cam uh, Force of Nature is that Next Generation episode we were talking okay. about. Uh, on IMDb, it has a 6.4 score, which is the same score as the one that uh, aired uh, two episodes prior, which was Dark Page, Ooh. the one in which um, Loxana Troy uh, has a very traumatic past that uh, she's tried to repress. I'll say this much for Dark Page. It's an ambitious episode. Uh, mm-hmm. It may not connect with everyone, but I, uh, they didn't play it safe that week on Star Trek, so <laughs> good for them. Good thing. If you hop over two more episodes from Force of Nature, you've got Parallels, which is uh, yeah. an 8.8 right there. Yeah. Um, no, to, to me, this episode felt a little bit kind of like a, uh, stick that one in episode number eight. It's just kind of like tiding you over until you get to the, hopefully, the superior last two episodes. I, I did have a couple questions for you, though based off this episode which is superior after you've watched the episode caves the chant for delta shift or red squad 
Oh, still Red Squad. Like it will right. never not be Red Squad. You know, like it, it was just even the way that it was filmed. You know, with like Nog reluctantly looking around and like raising his fist, going like, "Yeah, Red Red Squad, <laughs> Red Squad, Red Squad." You know, like uh, Cam, that is iconic to me. I don't know why it's not more iconic among the Star Trek fan base. So, like, um, at least for our listeners who had to listen to me make that reference uh, over the last eight years or so. Maybe we should start a chant at the Star Trek convention this summer. I, I will anything beat our Hoshi chant that we did during that one um, panel. Um, uh, what was the name of the uh, uh, one Trek mind panel? Right. When we we're trying to. Yes. What, what was the topic? We we're trying to vote like favorite, like one off characters or something like who are the best? No, it was best uh, mirror universe characters. Best. Oh, right, right. Because we're talking about Empress Hoshi. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the fella hosting it, uh, Jordan Hoffman, he looked quite dismayed as <laughs> you, uh, friend of the show, Scott Hardy, and I uh, began chanting Ho Shi, Ho Shi, and then other folks around the uh, auditorium <laughs> joined in with us. And he had like an entire, not an entire auditorium, but a good number of people chanting Ho Shi's name. Um, that was fun. That was fun. I feel like Linda Park was robbed not being around for that moment. I think she'll be okay. Well, I'm sure her life's just fine. Um, <laughs> I, I had another question. Um, you know, this one kind of ended somewhat with Tendi. Having, which I thought was actually a fun little nod of a moment that happened seconds after the first episode of the show. I thought that was actually a funny idea. Maybe yeah, they should have yeah. done a few more clever things like that. But um, you had them stuck in a turbo lift. I was curious, have you ever been stuck in an elevator? Uh, very, very, very briefly. Um, I'm talking like yeah. maybe two minutes. Right. What about you? No, it's never happened to me. It's one of those things. Uh, I live in actually a building with a very creaky elevator that breaks down constantly uh i usually just take the stairs and it's never happened to me and yeah not in life either so i remember i came home uh from like vacation once and you know this story but for our listeners uh i uh walk up to the elevator and <laughs> it's clear that somebody's stuck in there and he's been in there for at least like three or four minutes and he had like severe claustrophobia and um so like he's like banging on the elevator door um i'm like okay i'll do everything i can to help you out um i'm calling the elevator service i'm calling the uh building managers um do i need to call the fire department yet and um he's like no 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 and he gave me um the number of like his partner uh who lived you know uh five stories up and um so i called her wouldn't pick up uh called again called again she eventually picked up and she sounded very nonchalant about the fact that her claustrophobic partner was stuck in an elevator shaft for the last little while. And I was like, okay, well, uh, they know now. They're, I guess they're having a bit of a, like a house party upstairs, like maybe five people or so. It took them about like you know, 10, 12 minutes to like make their way downstairs. They really did not care about what was going on. This guy was freaking out. I had to run up to my place through the stairs and I had to like write a note uh, bring it back down and like post it like on the elevator because people like uh were walking by and like weren't really paying attention or, or like people thought it was a joke as well when i put the note up because oh i think i think i did end up calling the fire department um I, I think i called like three different folks to get help for this fella so i don't know um to answer your question um that's my best stuck in an elevator story right there where tyler's <laughs> a hero and uh this man clearly found out that he was dating a monster
Yeah, or they've just been together a long time. And at this point, she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Happens all the time. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he walks into the closet. He walks into the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Uh, I was half expecting you to uh, go up to the next floor, pry open the doors, and, like, <laughs> crawl down the cable on to save this man. <laughs> I, I'm looking like um, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 1. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah um, I had one last thing I want to mention on this episode that I really appreciated, which was like the Vendorians, which, you know, first premiered in the original animated series in the episode The Survivor. And Lower Decks has been really good about acknowledging just alien species from the animated series. But usually it's kind of like, you know, like a brief mention or something. Or you see like the bird people in the episode where um, Mariner and Boimler are bombing around in that like, you know, go-kart or whatever recklessly or uh, the detachable uh detachable limb aliens uh yeah ben benda uh, what, what were they called yeah that's a great example yeah the episode was called bem and i don't remember the name of that character but right. yeah like that is the best example next to the one this week of using these alien species like to actually tell a story and I really appreciate that. I wish we would see some of these aliens now cross into live action Trek now that we could actually achieve some of them on screen. Um, but in the meantime, I'm really glad that Lower Decks is continuing to fly the flag for the original animated series. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, you know, uh, Tendi had to pee in a corner at, the, you know, around the four hour mark. Yeah. How long, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're you, it's not like you haven't gone to the bathroom like within the last like five minutes. It's been, you know, maybe a regular amount, maybe, maybe 90 minutes. And you haven't been drinking, you know, your two-liter bottle of Coke Zero as you do every single uh, night at 8 p.m. Cam. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just you know regular glass of water. Um, um, how long before you are uh, so excruciatingly in need of going to the bathroom that you will pee in a corner with uh, three other friends in your presence? It would have to be really bad. It would have to be like that time you and I were driving to the border. And I got hit with, like, <laughs> the worst having to go to the bathroom moment ever. And it was a slow borderline. And I was having a moment of, like, I don't know what to do. This isn't going to, like, this is not going to work. And I may have to, like, run out of the car towards the sea <laughs> or something like that. Because I was having, like, full fits of panic. Um, so I guess... Sorry, sorry. For, for those that don't know, the um, the border crossing that we're at, uh, Peace Arch, uh, it, it's directly next to the ocean. Cam wasn't talking about running <laughs> running hundreds of kilometers to the sea to go to the bathroom. <laughs> no. Although it would have been amazing if you just saw me, like, running through a field and disappearing into the distance. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. It was like a real, like, what the hell am I going to do? Fortunately, yeah. we eventually got through the border and we were able to go to a gas station. But it was like, that's, I think, the only time in my life I've had that level of just like, oh, no, no, this is really, really bad. Um, so I think if it was like, I could hold it for a long time, but like, I guess it would just entirely depend on what I drank. But as you said, if I'm just having like a normal glass of water or something, I think I would be fine for... How long did it say they were in that um, turbo lift? Like five hours or something? I think it was four hours, at, at the at least at the point where uh, Tendi had to pee. Yeah, I think four hours I'd probably have to go, but I don't think it would be an emergency yet. What about that time you and I were driving from Las Vegas to uh, Santa Barbara? And... Uh-huh. Uh, 
but we for the life of us we could not find a gas station or a convenience uh store or a a mcdonald's that uh was available for us to use the bathroom and um that was uh that was quite excruciating for the two of us yeah well it was interesting in that we just stopped having to go almost at a certain yeah, point <laughs> we entered true. this zen like state as we were like well <laughs> the search continues we we saw the <laughs> celestial koala <laughs> we really did yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. I guess the only thing I'll note is like I uh, I liked how they played around with the aging versus de aging trope, but I think they could have oh. done something more interesting with that, though. I mean, I guess they acknowledge it, but yeah, they didn't really do anything interest particularly interesting with it. Well, I mean, I guess what they would say the the great moment of that was the guy's leg falling off, which you know it. Maybe got a mild chuckle out of me, I suppose, but like, uh, not out of nog, not out of nog. No, no. Um, but yeah, like the whole aging trope is the sort of thing that I think that I mean, it's produced a lot of Star Trek episodes and not a lot of great Star Trek episodes, right? <laughs> but yeah. I think you could have done like an episode of Lower Decks that like really took that to task and made it really goofy, but this one wasn't bad. The idea of like Mariner and someone from Delta Shift just sitting there having this, you know, kind of like old lady chat over their issues, kind of amusing, but it didn't feel like it took it to that next level up to be like genuinely memorable. I want them, if we're talking about like tropes that Lower Decks could, you know, take on, maybe something about like acknowledging Star Trek's obsession with mining colonies, you know? Mm, like, yeah. Certainly, they've made reference to all the mining colonies here in you know this Lower Deck series, but uh, people like watch Star Trek and you will hear about mining colonies like nonstop. And I'm like, okay, well, do something interesting commenting on this very, very weird obsession. In like, I just picture <laughs> the Federation like, we do not believe in money; we believe in mining at this point. So. Um, it goes back almost right to the very beginning because I think it was uh, Mud's Women was the first episode that introduced the mines. And that, I think, was aired maybe fourth, I think, for the original series. But that was a script that they were looking at as the pilot for Star Trek at one point, too. Um, <laughs> thank goodness they started with the Salt Vampire or the Man Trap. Yeah, exactly. So um, the fact is, like, right from the, Charlie X, <laughs> right from almost the beginning, excluding the Cage episode, they were looking at mining as like kind of the cornerstone of what Star Trek is. <laughs> yeah. Um. So no sighting of the mystery ship this week. The one that's been, I guess, transporting crews and uh, their ships, you know, out of space to some location. I'm assuming um, this is what's going to be a, a banger of a two-part finale next week starting next mm -hmm. week i should say um I, I didn't miss it you know and and it's not exactly like i've been blown away by its previous appearances so eh. yeah uh i mean i was completely fine not having it in this episode and honestly did not really even notice it didn't happen uh so yeah i mean i guess we'll just pay that off in the next two episodes so you, do you think it's gonna be a two-part finale i mean they typically okay the finale is typically like um you know, you'll have like episode nine and it will typically run right into the um, next episode. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, remember with the whole Texas class starships. Uh, remember when Boimler found out that um, Freeman was the mother of Mariner and then yeah. the next episode it's resolved. So it's typically it, not necessarily two parters, but they're directly adjacent to each other. 
Right. Yeah, because I think uh, we had the to be continued at the end of season two, right? But that was the only time they did that? Um, Like, you mean for this uh, season finale or between episode nine and episode 10? Well, episode 10 into the next season. Right. I think that was when um, Freeman was arrested. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That, that that's my recollection with regards to the two continued usage. I, I, yeah. And what did, do you remember? Um, what they did at the end of season three because it was the Texas class story. Was that strung over two episodes, or did was episode nine something completely disconnected, other than maybe like some teases? Did, didn't like the Texas class starship come to save the day at the very end after that that Breen attack? Oh, that does ring a bell. Yes. Yeah, and then episode 10 was about uh, the California-class crew of the Cerritos going up and, and doing a skills competition against the Texas-class AI ship. Right, okay, I'm just looking it up. So the uh, penultimate episode last season was the one where it was the reporter coming and uh, talking to various crew members about Freeman, mm-hmm. and then Freeman being on edge. So that did kind of lead into that episode, although that was a very... um middle of the road a penultimate episode for season three yeah i mean it, it, it's one of those television tropes not just a star trek trope where um everybody acts dumb to make the plot move forward um yeah i'm never a fan of that no no me neither okay well uh cam uh obviously we're we're hoping uh lower decks kind of picks up the pace uh <laughs> in the next two weeks but uh other than that uh i don't know we we uh had uh New York Comic Con go on. Nothing really of note came out of that, did it? No. In terms of Star Trek news, despite some Star Trek producers being there? No, I think the only thing really that was semi-interesting was just Alex Kurtzman talking about how Paramount was still interested in producing more Star Trek, kind of in the midst of all this cost-cutting going on in streaming networks. And he was just saying that they are going to be announcing things going forward and there's no shortage of support from paramount plus for the star trek universe going forward so that's not necessarily what i was expecting i thought it would be more like okay we're gonna keep our strange new worlds we're gonna have these other projects we're working on like the section 31 movie which he acknowledged as well as um the starfleet academy which he said they're both still in the works still seemingly coming to screens at some point um but i kind of thought that might be it the fact that he said there would probably be new things in the works as well is interesting i'm of the mind like what else is he gonna say at this point like yeah like he's not gonna go there and say like they're canceling all the star (laughs) trek projects be worried people (laughs) we're done folks this is it (laughs) yeah yeah i mean when he says there's new things in the works it's probably season two of very short treks (laughs) <laughs> can't wait can't wait. here's the thing with uh very short tricks you and i have been very very critical of uh you know uh picard season two and seasons three and four of discovery very very critical mm-hmm. i think like ultimately very short tricks was a failure um it doesn't bug me that it exists you know it's just like it, it very um uh like minimal commitment that i had to put into these <laughs> yeah um I, they're at least a, a couple times that they had some interesting ideas um i'm fine if they did another batch of very short tracks i'm just like it's not it's really no skin off my back they also feel like something that will be like a trivia question in 30 years <laughs> uh i don't even know if it'll make it that far Cam, like <laughs> at least when we checked the number of youtube views a couple weeks ago like it, it was very small 
like uh, like I I was shocked at how few people had watched like this official Star Trek non-canon content. But I, I was just like yowzers, like nobody cared. Well, I remember not long ago at all we were talking about like the potential of having say Garrick on lower decks, and I think I said something like it would be really great to see Garrick in animation. And completely forgetting that we'd had a very brief Andy Robinson cameo in one of those very short treks in the one with the holograms. And that's how much of an impression it made on me. Uh, was that the, like, it's a fake kind of reference there? Uh, it's the, I don't remember what he said, but it was the one where it just kept holograms within holograms within holograms. Right, right. Yeah, and at a certain point, it was Garrick and another character talking and it was Andy Robinson's uh, voice. Yeah, it's 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 coming back to me, but the fact that uh, it made no impression on me at the time, <laughs> that's kind of sad. And it was like a week later, a week or two later, we were like, boy, it'd be so great to hear Andy <laughs> Robinson back on Star Trek. Do you think it'll ever happen in animation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, um, what else has been going on? Oh, you know what? So Creation Entertainment, they're the folks that do uh, the Star Trek Las Vegas convention that you and I go to every year. Mm-hmm. Except that, what was it, 2021? That was the year that we skipped uh, amid the uh, the pandemic. That's right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so then uh, Creation, they had all, also kind of announced plans uh, for what they're calling a sci-fi summit in Vancouver. I think that was supposed to be, like, was it early 2021, Cam? Like, February-ish? Um, was it 2021, or was it, like, in 2020, towards, like, maybe the spring or summer? Well, no, 2020 is when the... Uh, the pandemic happened. Yeah, didn't it? Didn't it shut those down? No, I think they're trying to get a sci-fi summit going uh, in anticipation of maybe rules loosening up. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was uh, announced before. At least, like, I yeah, I, I could be totally wrong, but at least that was my recollection of it. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, Creation Entertainment, uh, they're starting to get more like star trek conventions going so uh they've got one i think uh chicago is in the works and they also just announced that san francisco they're calling it san francisco but it's like the deep deep airport suburbs uh which uh you and i have attended uh that particular um venue before um Uh was this 2017 maybe um something like that yeah it was among my worst hotel stays, like in terms of like just the, the this pervasive smell of rotting cabbage. <laughs> Sorry. That like <laughs> I, what was going on in that room, Cameron? Like and then we asked to move rooms and it followed us like it was like this. It was like the smell of ammonia or something that just is as if they're pumping it through like the, the the air vents or something. It was just like like, I don't know, like that, that kind of put me off of that venue. You and I haven't actually discussed it, but um, I don't know. What, what do you think about the prospect of getting a Star Trek, these smaller Star Trek conventions going again, uh, keeping in mind how sparsely populated it was in 2017? I had a lot of fun at that convention, uh-huh. uh, but it was the kind of thing where, uh, yeah, as you said, the venue sucked. <laughs> like only twice in my life have I not been able to sleep because of a smell in a room. One time it was like where we were near a rendering plant or something in a small town in New Zealand when I was backpacking and the whole town smelled like dog food. Um, and then <laughs> that night where it was like raw sewage and just like kept waking up like choking in the hotel room. It was unbelievable. And the convention itself was fun. Like we had a great time um, having interactions 
with like the actors on stage like because it was such a small crowd we were able to ask questions we had some really great photo ops with next to no lines but you and i i remember at a certain point sitting there either it was in the room or maybe in the hallway i don't remember but we were really debating like how much are they making off this convention because it is very low attendance yeah um i think it's did, did it go three days did it go friday saturday sunday because that's the plan this year and i just wonder if like we noticed like friday was completely dead and then mm. maybe it started to pick up saturday sunday like you know but again very low attendance like unbelievably low and uh yeah so like the idea of them bringing it back i suspect they're gonna test the waters to see if maybe post-pandemic interest in events is going to drive enough traffic to the san francisco one but i think this one I, I don't know about the Chicago, but I think the San Fran one will be very much a tester for the future of whether they continue to do these in San Francisco. Because mm-hmm. I, I just think after that last one, they were like, why are we even bothering? And the fact there hasn't been one since is very telling. Well, I mean, there was a pandemic, in all fairness. That's true. But it wasn't as if, it, yeah, but it wasn't as if they were going to do one in 2018 or 2019 or even had one on the books for 2020 before the world went uh, kablooey. You know, so, I mean, we had fun, you know, um, yeah. sleep aside, uh, yeah. we uh, recorded an episode of the podcast there uh, because Choose Your Pain uh, was airing while we were there. And now that I think about it, oh, remember, wasn't Robert Duncan McNeil on our flight because he was like directing a uh, television at, uh, in Vancouver at the time? And, oh, that uh, does ring a bell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, yeah. And uh, I guess it was notable in that like you have Star Trek Discovery airing. And the creation organizers made zero acknowledgement of the fact that there was a brand new Star Trek series on the air. And there, were, there weren't any events uh, surrounding it. I, I don't believe there were any stars associated with the show that were in that no. San Francisco convention either. But uh, you and I and another friend, we ended up uh, watching Choose Your Pain together. And then uh, we kicked him out. Uh, he had to go sit at the bar by himself while you and I <laughs> recorded our episode. I don't know why we didn't invite him to. Uh... <laughs> Not true. He's in the episode. He oh, was okay. in the episode reviews. Sorry, okay. Jesse. <laughs> Completely blanked on that one. Uh, he's like Garrick <laughs> in very short tricks for me. <laughs> but we did kick him out of the room and we went and, go, went and made him uh, sit at the bar by himself at a certain point. And I remember it, it's one of those hotels where um, it's like like a tower shape but the center is completely empty so you can be in a room on like the 13th floor and look out your window facing inwards not not out onto the street but facing into the interior of the building and you can look all the way down to the uh the lobby and the bar and I think one of us took a picture of our friends sitting at the bar by himself after we kicked them out so that, that that's what great friends we are yeah, and I remember why we kicked him out. It was because that's when we were doing YouTube videos. And uh, we used, uh, he'd actually bought some artwork at the auction. And so we used that as like a backdrop and we shot a quick YouTube video oh, wow. um, while he was outside. I totally forgot about that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right. I floated it out there in our, we have like a Star Trek Las Vegas WhatsApp group of uh, friends from the show. I, I think there's like uh, like one friend who's likely, unlikely to go. We have another friend who lives in San Francisco as well you and i haven't actually discussed whether you and i would go but i mean i'm open to it but i think i want to kind of 
maybe get a little bit more clarity on, on my uh, vacation time and uh, finances and all that if we're also going to go to Star Trek Las Vegas. I also have in my head, like, I want to, like, you and I went for a weekend. I remember it now. Like, we, I think we flew out on a Thursday evening, mm-hmm. and then we spent all Friday uh, with our San Francisco friend, like, uh, just serving as, like, the best tour guide ever all day Friday. She even got us into a tour of Lucasfilms because, like, yep. her friend works there and because it was a friday fridays are always dead there so the friend was able to just give us a, a complete tour and we ran into a, a bob picardo also on the same tour <laughs> or or That's he was right, getting yeah. his own personal tour and we like w- walked by him and uh that was uh fun so yeah i guess the convention is only saturday sunday and it was kind of dead and um i guess they plan to do this convention it says friday saturday sunday does it not uh, it does, yes. I yes, three days, yeah. And okay. I I saw people who were surprised that it was three days because I think typically those smaller ones are two days. And I suspect it will probably be a little bit now. Uh, we get our fan expos here in Vancouver, and the Vancouver Fan Expo is a little bit of a sad affair in comparison to say the uh, Fan Expo in uh, Calgary, for example, one province over. But um. They, at a certain point, stretched those to three days, and you and I went on the Fridays, and it was like four hours of programming with one guest. And it was like, I remember one year we went, and it was like Shannon Doherty um, towards the <laughs> end of the four hours, and that was like the only programming going on. I think we actually went to her panel, though, and it was actually, is okay. Um, it was good. Yeah, the, the moderator wasn't great, um, but uh, yeah, uh, but I remember she was actually, uh, she was pretty good. Yeah, I remember she talked about doing the voice of the young mouse in Secret of Nim and things like that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting stories. Uh, she was a she was a fun guest. But yeah, it felt very much like a cash grab to get people to pay for an extra day. And um, I'm hoping that Creation has something a little more filled out going on for Friday uh, when they get closer to. But uh, we have gone to Star Trek cons in Vegas before, I remember when they first announced they were doing the uh, Wednesday, because initially it was like a four-day con. I don't want to say initially, because I don't know what it was going way back, but when I started going, it was a four-day con starting on the Thursday, and then they opened it up on on Wednesday, and the Wednesday was like a very low-wattage day, and then they kind of remedied that a little bit as they went forward a couple years, but... um, And by remedy, you mean that they, they put it back to starting on Thursday? Well, they did start it, yes, they went back to Thursdays, but they did remedy it a little bit where they had more guests and a little more going on on the Wednesday than that first year. Right. But I think we only got, like, I think it was it only, like, maybe two, maybe three years of Wednesdays, and I think it's been back to Thursdays for a little while now. That's right. I think it was three years total of five days. Okay. Um, I also want to go back to the Shannon Doherty thing because uh, the moderator, you know, she's talking about these kind of creative Hollywood projects she's involved with, you know, kind of like fiction and, and all that sort of stuff. And the moderator's like, yeah, I just can't wait until we can get rid of reality TV. And then she's like, oh, I'm, I'm hosting a reality TV show that's uh, coming up soon. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that moderator. It's like, oopsies. But uh Yeah. <laughs> Those are the memorable things that I want from like conventions. Um, but uh, I, I guess they're starting to announce the uh, Fan Expo guests uh, here in Vancouver. Uh, is it in February this year, Cameron? Uh, or, or I should say next year? Uh, yeah, Family Day weekend, I believe, okay. uh, which is February. Yeah, you yeah. and I went last year, and uh, I think we came away thinking, like, despite it being, like, you know, 
over the course of an entire long weekend, you know, three days, mm-hmm. uh, I think you and I walked away saying like, maybe this only deserves one day of our time moving forward. And we're just going to have to be pretty clinical about figuring out which day has the most guests that we're interested in seeing. Like we were sitting there in panels about the, the cast of Arrow, which is a show that you and I have never, ever watched in our lives, but like, um, it actually turned oh, into like, it was actually the flash. Oh, see, I don't even know the difference between the, those shows, Yeah, but like that, we're actually, we, we kind of went in there completely cold and we, we were still entertained despite being very, very confused by what was going on. So, but I, I, I don't want to do a full weekend of that sort of stuff though anymore. No, it it's, doesn't justify the cost really. Um, when you are kind of just going to novelty panels just for like, well, I bought a ticket. I might as well go. Yeah. Uh, especially when they're not offering a lot in terms of fan panels. When I went to Calgary Fan Expo, there was a lot of like interesting fan panels doing different topics and different fandoms. And you just don't get that in Vancouver. So, um, you know, they've announced Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio as the first guests so far at Vancouver Fan Expo. I saw D'Onofrio at Calgary Fan Expo uh, last year or I guess it was this year, early this year. Um, and um, he was he was an interesting guest, but like that's not going to drive me <laughs> to the Fan mm-hmm. Expo in Vancouver. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm hoping that they announce like a really interesting Star Trek guest so we'll be able to go and perhaps tell an anecdote or two on the podcast about it. Yeah, we got Anson Mount and Ethan Peck um, this past February in Vancouver. And I mean, that I, I think that was probably just the day that you and I should have gone. Was that like the Sunday maybe? Uh, I think, well, actually, okay, I think that was the Saturday. Oh, really? Okay. And the Sunday was the TNG crew, which was that, like, oh. panel that opened with, like, a real debacle where the uh, <laughs> organizers made the actors stand awkwardly on stage for, like, five minutes while they just played promos on the TVs. Yeah, and you could tell, like, uh, uh, Gates McFadden was, like, getting annoyed. Yeah. Like, she kept doing the wind-it-up motion. And uh, Brent Spiner kept like shrugging his shoulders, like WTF, like seriously, like let, let's get this going. And um, yeah, it, it was pretty terrible. I think there was like some sort of like legal or monetary uh, obligation that the organizers had to play these promos before every panel. But what happened is I think the TNG people just walked out early yeah. and didn't understand why they didn't turn off those promos. So um, yeah, okay, so that's the real conundrum there. If they put star trek panels on two different days that's how they hook you and that's i mean it's great uh kind of capitalism on their part but i think that's kind of the um the dilemmas that we faced over uh previous years deciding like is, is this really worth like going like three days and uh, to me definitely not three days anymore you'd have to get some really big stars on two different days to convince me to go both these days i, I think i'm only going to go one day this uh this february myself I am going to have to figure out what to do because I have to book the time off in advance. So um, <laughs> it may be a roll of the dice on a day even. I don't I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Yeah. But, um, well, don't worry, listeners. All you listeners in Vancouver, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, we'll recap uh, whatever we do hit up, though. So And uh, and if you end up going to San Francisco, we'll, we'll uh, do a recap uh, for that as well. It'll just be interesting because, like, it's a very different experience going to these smaller conventions than it is the uh, big Las Vegas convention. And uh, I don't know. Um, and you and I, we dropped into San Francisco um, last summer. We were driving back from the Las Vegas convention and we uh, rolled from uh, 
like Las Vegas all the way up the California coast and stopped into San Francisco for, would you say a grand total of like 16, 17 hours camp? Does that sound about right? About that. Yeah. It was basically sleep, Alcatraz, goodbye. Yeah. And I think you and I were both thinking like, oh, don't you wish you had like another three or four days like uh, in this city, which is just uh, like, um, you know, just a gorgeous city. Although when we drove into our friend's neighborhood to drop off like a gift for her mm. um, in San Francisco, I think you and I were a little frightened in like what the city had kind of turned into um, since we had last visited in, in 2017. Yeah, uh, post-pandemic, or I guess during the pandemic, things got a little rougher in areas of San Francisco, as they did in Vancouver and many other cities. But yes, we did roll into a um, somewhat unfortunate part of town. Yeah. So um, yeah. on that happy note, Cam, yeah. <laughs> Well, I've got a, 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 a uh, backing you up, giving you some props. The, um, the um, Sci-Fi Summit, which we acknowledged earlier, I found the story. It was scheduled for July 16th to 18th, 2021. So you were right. Okay. So that's interesting because I, in my head, I was thinking it was like maybe earlier in the year, but um, yeah, so they're going to do it in July of 2021. And you and I, you know, I think by the time they announced the Sci-Fi Summit, you and I were still hoping it would be practical to go to Las Vegas in 2021. Yeah. But it just, just in terms, like we technically, if we really wanted to, we technically could have traveled to the United States, but it would have been such an impractical, like pain in the butt. That it just wasn't worth it. And also, I think we, you and I would have been like a little um, on edge with regards to where the pandemic was at that point, um, in terms of where we are, were in our vaccination cycles and um, safety measures taken in the United States, especially La uh, Las Vegas versus uh, how things were in uh, Vancouver. So I just, I think we were okay with missing the, uh, the Vegas 2021 convention. Yeah. I mean, that was just a. Uh... Uh, it only made sense to miss it that year because we had our group that was looking at uh, potentially going, and I think we were all on the same page. This is just a bad idea this yeah. year. Although we did miss Kelsey Grammer that year, which is, uh, that's a real bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, camera, have you been watching the Frasier reboot? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I watched like first uh, half of episode one. Oh, it's harmless. It's not funny, but it's not like um, dreadful. But it, the, the first moment, uh, Kelsey Grammer walks up uh, in into the scene, and this is a moment I have not experienced in like 20, 30 years, but the entire studio audience starts going, Woo! Oh my god, really? Yeah, and I was like, Holy wow, this bring back to like Married with Children or something like that. Or <laughs> Did someone go, yeah, because <laughs> that used to happen on Married with Children all the time. <laughs> as if it was like arsenio or something like that yeah um, wow that's crazy well props for studio audiences once again who knows what crazes come back but (laughs) i think on that note our assignment is complete if you enjoyed listening to this podcast we want to hear from you jump on over to the facebook page at facebook.com slash subspace pod tyler what are we doing next week uh, we're doing uh, episode nine, the penultimate episode of uh, Lower Decks. I, I don't believe it has a name just yet. Uh, well, I'm sure it does, but it has not been revealed to um, fans at this point. But uh, if you wanted to make up a name for it, um, I don't know. Um, how about Body Swaps? You know, maybe something like that. Sure. Body Swap sounds good. We'll be back with a review of Body Swaps next week. <laughs> and we're going to keep calling it <laughs> Body Swaps no matter what the real name is.
And you can also find us on the Twitter. I'm at Cam. V is in Vendorians are tricky. Smith. And you can find me at Reportin. That's R E P O. O is in R T O N. <laughs> okay, so until next time, the arena is closed. Woo! <laughs>